So we are ma regularly making sure social media platforms are aware of the latest narratives dangerous to public health. You shouldn't be banned from one platform and not others uh, if you are for uh, uh, providing misinformation out there. Algorithms, I don't know how they work, but they all do know how they work. Public has a right to know. That's the point that we're making, and we're dealing with a life or death issue here, and so everybody has a role to play in making sure there's accurate information. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of Blue Collar Blacklisted. We have a special guest today, Mr. Derek Evans, uh, January 6th defendant, and if I'm not mistaken, is a former West Virginia House of Delegates member, correct? That is correct. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for welcome joining the us. show. Uh, so what a, a little bit of backstory about what's going on with you, uh, with the, uh, the legal situation you found yourself in. Uh, if I'm, from what I understand, you have been sentenced, but haven't reported, uh, reported yet. That, that, that is correct. Okay. I've, uh, been sentenced. I actually got the phone call two days ago. Uh, I have to report to prison by August 2nd, um, at 2 PM. My family and I, we are kind of finalizing everything, but as of right now, it looks like I'll probably be reporting on July 25th. Wow. So. Okay. Are you going to like a camp or is it like a, a uh, what what do you know? I guess you got. I guess nope. you know yet. Are you don't? Yeah, no, no, no camp. I'm eligible for a camp, but with such a short sentence, uh, three months, uh, I guess they can kind of put you wherever they want. Um, we made the request, obviously, to be close to home. Uh, they did not do any favors in that regard. I, I live in West Virginia, and I'll be serving three months at a low security, in, uh, which is a step above a camp in uh, Milan, Michigan. Wow. wow. Six hours away, a little over six hours away from home. Wow. I know some people that have done some, some time in, in a camp and some other facilities. That's why I was asking about that. So so I've been curious this whole time. One of the main things I kind of wanted to start out with is what your kind of political backstory was. I read some different things and didn't know what re what was real and what was not. But um, you're not quite 40 years old yet, correct? That's correct. I'm uh, I'm 37. Okay. Uh, turned 37 in April. Yep. And and so, how, I mean, how did how did you get into politics? Get into the the House of Delegates? And what, like growing up, were you a Republican or was your family conservative? So West Virginia is a really unique and weird state. Um, the people here are hardcore conservative. But the, uh, the the whole issue with the unions uh, was kind of formed here. That's where they fought the wars and everything during the coal mines. You can you know look up some of the research there. I'm actually from that part of West Virginia. So um, for decades, everybody here was uh, was was registered Democrat, even though they they were conservative. Um, and it was really just a few years ago when the state itself flipped. Um, to to being registered Republican, uh, my county is about half and half now. But but in terms of voting, they're, they're voting Republican. I was elected, uh, as you said, to the West Virginia House of Delegates. In a lot of states, you guys call them state reps. Um, and I was the first Republican to win my district in uh, 98 years. Wow. 
And so, and the cool thing was, is I won every single precinct and um, I was not a quote unquote politician. I still do not consider myself a politician. I am a regular average Joe American who is sick and tired of our constitution being trampled on our Christian values being trampled on. Uh, Christians are under attack all across this country. And uh, I decided to run, and um, I was so open about that on my billboards, on my literature, everything. The tagline was fighting for Christian values, and I was very vocal about that. Um, I was, you know, very similar to Trump in terms of being outspoken. The, the liberal media would try to uh, ask me things and back me down, and then I would just say, look, that's what I stand for. If you don't like it, go vote for somebody else. And um, I, I was pretty confident in, in how the race was going, but I, I would – be lying to you if I uh, was to tell you I, was, I expected to win as big as I did. So it was, uh, it was, it was a very welcome surprise. And so, and so you attribute that success just to basically being the, the voice of what people actually wanted that no regular politicians had the guts to say. A- absolutely. You know, and, and uh, so President Trump, we already know his uh, long-term lasting effect for decades. It's going to last on the, on the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, with the people we appointed and, and the other, you know, the other positions within the uh, the court system. But I think something that a lot of people are not talking about just yet is the fact that President Trump opened the door for everyday Americans such as myself who do not um, like to mince words and, and, and play patty cake politics, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, he opened the door for people like myself to not only run for office, but to um, to feel comfortable being who you are. Um, and not getting into the, the political jargon and just, you know, being a plain, plain talker. Um, and, and I think he opened the door for people like myself all across this country. And I'm excited to see over the next 10, 15 years, some of these people who are, um, we've never heard of, never heard their names, who are in a state house position somewhere in one of these states across the country who are going to continue, um, you know, moving up that ladder. Uh, and, and who knows what they'll do one day. And it's, it's all going to be because of President Trump opened that door. I, I think that's uh, pretty profound. I agree with that 100 percent. And that being said, I, and I've read a little bit, but your political career most likely is not over. Are you hoping to uh, use some of this momentum for future political leverage oh that, yeah I, I, absolutely my, my look my political career is not over they you know west virginia we have a, what's called citizen legislators so it's a 60-day session that was the beauty of this i have four young kids so uh, i was i was drawn to it from the standpoint of you know i can go serve and 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 try to make this a better state to live in but i can also have a regular life a family life i never had any ambitions of running for federal office, you know, living in the swamp of DC sounds absolutely terrible to be honest with you. Um, but now they have literally come to my house. They have drugged me out of my house in front of my my kids. They are ripping me away from my family to hold me as a political prisoner for three months. They've drugged me into the swamp. Uh, you know, and and I'm already covered in all the the swamp goo right now. Uh, I can tell you that at some point uh, I will definitely be back on the ballot um, I don't know if that'll be 2024 or 2026, and I don't know for sure if I'm going to run for federal office or not, but for the first time in my life, I, I would definitely, uh, it's definitely something I would consider doing uh, after everything that I've been through. Yeah, um, it seems like... The, the other thing I can... I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I was say the other thing, man, is, is this is, I live in ultra-maga country. You know, if my name was on the ballot right now in West Virginia in my local area, I would, I would win in a landslide. I wouldn't have to spend a dollar put my name on the ballot. I'd win. My community last Saturday uh, threw me a parade 
and a huge party uh, for uh, for everything going on with my family right now, uh, complete with uh, fire truck and local sheriff escort uh, the parade. Um, I was going to be in the fire truck, but it was raining, me and my family, so they put us in a party bus. We showed up. They had all kinds of food and live music. I mean, about 250 people showed up. I mean, it was it was incredible to say the least. Yeah, I was reading that that thread on on True Social um, about that. And I guess that uh, I can't remember the kid's last name. I was just looking. Connor, the musician, and I guess. Oh the, yeah, Connor Dell. Yeah. Man, that that song that he had put on there, just doing it with him and his guitar about the uh, the uh, you know a mother aborting her child. Man, dude, that was a uh, that was a tough one, dude. That was a uh, <laughs> I, which I asked that young man, you know, how can I find your music? I was hoping that I could maybe share it on our on our podcast and uh, get some some more uh, get him to some more people. Because I, I thought that was a, a phenomenal song. You said he he performed it uh, at that for you guys, correct? Yeah. So him and his wife, uh, his, his name is Connor Dale. His wife is uh, Rachel Mester. She was on the uh, the Voice at um, I, I can't remember what season. She was a contestant on the Voice. Pretty sure she was on Blake Shelton's team. Can't remember. Uh, they're they're local people here, and um, phenomenal uh, constitutional conservative Christians. They're absolutely amazing. You know, when when Roe versus Wade was overturned, um, you know, Rachel put out this post, you know, talking about the backlash she was going to be receiving from Nashville and all these places for her conservative views, but she didn't care and that she was happy it was overturned. That was the gist of the post. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when the, the, the people organized my, uh, my get-together, said that they were looking into uh, getting, you know, some live music, I said, see if Rachel and Connor are available, that's all I want. And then they jumped at the opportunity to come and uh, and sing sing at my my event, and I was very uh, honored and humbled that they chose to do that. Dude, that's awesome. I, I had no idea about his wife or anything. I just, like I said, I, I was not familiar except for that that song. But man, that is that is pretty daggum cool. Uh, but before that, you were saying that the amount of uh, pull and, and uh, momentum in your community you is is why they put this together. So. That that'll probably translate into what your political future looks like. I'm sure. There was a uh, an outside group. There's been a ton of groups, as you can imagine. Who's you know, hey, you gonna run? Try to me to run in, and and you know, uh, at first I was just like, you know, I, I can't raise that kind of money to to run a race at that level. You know, I was mm-hmm. I was going to get back involved in the local politics for sure at some point. Um, and I never really had considered running for the bigger office, even after all this was happening. I mean, of, of course passing thoughts but nothing you know really truly serious thoughts and there was a, a group that did a poll on my behalf in my congressional district and uh 70 of the republicans that they polled uh said that they would absolutely vote for me and like 52 or 56 percent uh said they put my sign in their yard and so that was a that was a big wake-up call in terms of like oh, okay maybe yeah maybe it is something i should consider doing in the future you know so it was pretty cool damn that is pretty awesome um one one of the things I wanted to, to ask you because uh, this story just broke yesterday, and I want to say it was the New York Times uh, with Ray Epps. You you are familiar, I'm sure, with who Ray Epps is. Yes, I am. Yeah. And so now uh, the New York Times did a little puff piece, and uh, poor old Ray Epps. Uh, I'm quoting here: Ray Epps became the unwitting face of an attempt by pro-Trump forces to promote the baseless idea that the FBI was behind the attack on the Capitol. And so Ray Epps has had to move and. Just poor Ray Epps. He's uh, he's at the center of this conspiracy theory. And given what you've been through, uh, just kind of give me your take on that and how that what that means and how that makes somebody in your position feel, and 
what you really think is going on with 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 that. Well, in my this is my opinion, obviously, but um, I don't know whether Ray Epps is actually works for the FBI, mm-hmm. uh, but I am uh, convinced that he is at the very least uh, an informant of some sort. Uh, to, to make the comments that he did um, and not not facing any repercussions for it um, does not line up with how the, all the other January 6th defendants are being treated or how President Trump is being treated. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to uh, use President Trump's words and, and say that he incited, you know, a riot and, and all these things. Um, I can tell you that every single word that myself or other January 6th defendants, um, you know, Spoke was used against us, and, um, and and the fact that nothing is has been done to him is is definitely it stinks to high heaven to say the least. So yeah. there's definitely something going on there. And, and for anybody that's not familiar, uh, Ray Epps and Ray Epps Breach Team on Revolver News, they did a phenomenal breakdown with uh, video and photo evidence of how it, it appears that a team of people orchestrated the breach. So basically and using uh, their vernacular is that they cre- they created an invisible tripwire for people just like you to unwittingly, after the, uh, the berries were, were removed, the people coming from the rally wouldn't know that they weren't supposed to be in the areas that, that were previously cordoned off because they were removed before they got there. So, but I... And yeah, and we covered that on a previous episode, yeah. on an early episode. Right. So, um, but now, were you actually at any portion of the Save America rally where Trump was speaking at the Ellipse? So, see, I was um, I was on, no, I, I left early and was on the east side of the Capitol. So, all the violence that we see on TV, um, you know, all, all of the, the mayhem, I guess you could say, uh, was on the west side of the building. I actually mapped it out one night. Um, to get from where I was at to the other side of the building where, you know, all the, the video clips everybody sees, it, it, was, it was over a mile walk. It was, it was almost a mile and a half walk to get there. Mm-hmm. So we had no clue. I mean, we, we knew that um, that people were inside mm-hmm. and that, you know, uh, they'd, they'd breached barriers. But we, we didn't know that people were literally fighting the police officers, if that makes sense. We, we didn't know what was going on. We just knew people had gotten inside from the other side. And um, so I was one of the people who walked through the open doors on the east side. There were like 12, 15-foot-tall doors that opened from the inside, magnetic doors. Who opened those doors? I don't know. We don't know. Um, One of the things that the prosecuting attorneys are doing when you ask, for uh you know we asked for the video like who 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 opened that door like so we want to see the videos of those doors being opened and um they just did a massive massive uh evidence dump basically uh the amount of video that they're sending january 6th defendants it would literally take someone years i don't remember how many years it was i knew at one point but literally it would take someone years to just sit down and watch straight through to watch all the video they send you so good luck finding the 10 to 15 seconds of video that you're really needing for your defense yeah and that's something that's happening right now too um yeah and there there's finally information starting to trickle out and the last one was uh that i was reading the other day was a whistleblower that had infiltrated the Proud Boys group and somebody had obtained some of the the text dialogue with the authorities saying that 
this was just basically an organic thing where the crowd was riled up. There was no previous planning by the any group like the Proud Boys or anything like that. <clears throat> and uh, man, there's it's just got such bad news written all over it. And and what I'm just out of curiosity, have you? I know you've probably done a lot of interviews here in the last little bit. Has anybody that was actually at that Safe America rally uh, interviewed you before? I don't. I don't think so. Actually, I don't think anybody who was actually um, you know there at that has has done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did read that exact article you're talking about. I think it was by the Gateway Pundit that came out. Um, it was pretty uh, pretty telling, to say the least. Yeah, the, the, well, like I said, if you if you're not familiar with Revolver News, with their breakdown of the Rayups breach team, man, that that is very very compelling stuff, and it's to I mean, looks pretty undeniable to me. Obviously, I'm I'm at least somewhat biased. We, so yeah, we were actually at that. We never made it down to the Capitol in time. We we left just slightly before Trump was finished speaking, and I looked. Uh, I'd actually checked the news feed on my phone and saw that Mike Pence uh, had chose to, to do what he did and man it was it was a bum it was a bum thing but uh by the time we were halfway up the mall the chaos had already ensued but uh one of the things that we did notice we saw people that were blatantly antifa we've talked about this on here before but the uh antifa operators egging people on even from that far back about you know halfway up the mall on capital bikes you know the electric uh bicycles and because uh, one of the guys that was with us had looked for one of those those bikes with a charge all day, and there was not a single one to be found. And here comes these man bun wearing. Well, actually, a man bun's not a thing. Bun are, buns are for women. So, <laughs> so there was some uh, some males with buns and uh, patchy. I'll 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 try to use some uh, PG vernacular here. Maybe a prepubescent beard if you if. You get yeah. my gist, but yeah. yeah, they they were obviously out of place and egging people on and saying inflammatory, you know, uh, things to to gin people up. So yeah, because um, they were saying we got in, we yeah, got in, like let's go, like, and that kind of works into conjunction with some of what the revolver had had seen with some of the people that were kind of already in place, like strategically moved into place as chaos was being ginned up and then breaking loose. So it, uh, man, I I I hope the best yeah, for no, you. No, no, no. Go ahead. It, it's crazy, man. On on the side of the building I was on, on the east side, there was not any violence. There was no mm-hmm. destruction of property. The worst thing I saw anyone do was in when we went inside the Capitol building, uh, and I, we stayed in the public area. Um, I got a fist bump from a police officer on the way in. I'll be I'm going to be releasing that video uh, relatively soon. Just trying to cross all the T's, dot all the I's, make sure everything's legally, you know, fine to do that. And, and I definitely don't want to. Uh, jeopardize other January 6th defendants, um, and, 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 and that's something I've got to be careful about as well. But, man, the worst thing I saw anyone do was inside. There was a, uh, some, some younger guys, I'm guessing college age, you know, early 20s. Um, they put a MAGA hat on one of the statues and stood beside of it in, in the rotunda and took a picture with it. And some old man, a veteran, obviously, with all the gear he was wearing, came over and said, hey, guys, get down now that's that's not what we're here to do we're not going to disrespect a place like that and they they got straight down that was the worst thing that i saw anyone do um on my side of the building yeah and 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 it seems pretty mundane in relation to tearing statues down and pulling them down and spray painting them yeah everything else that we've seen the left do uh setting things on fire yeah yeah so uh one thing i i wanted to touch on uh is some of the stuff that that you had that i'd seen that you'd done previously and uh, I'm, I have to admit, I'm a fan. Uh, Inside Edition is not. Um, so that it was a piece uh, 
discussing some of the work you had done outside of abortion clinics and where they it, it looks like the opposition it had painted this as some kind of a one one-sided protest i noticed in a lot of the videos there were counter protesters at these abortion clinics screaming at you <laughs> and the people with you um and uh, i know we're, we're, we're kind of changing gears here but uh let's see uh stacy k50 told inside edition digital she also suffered anytime she went to the clinic because of evans and others who picketed the building, a fellow patient escort, and a patient herself, Kay said that she has had three abortions, one of which was performed when she was 19, a 19-year-old 19 in college, and the other two were performed while she was with the same partner. Quote, I had three pregnancies and one child, said Kay, who is a 21-year-old, who has a 21-year-old daughter. <clears throat> that was a choice we made together in our family, and I'm proud of it. When I, when I can tell you that if anyone has ever watched the movie Unplanned, that everything they depict in there is is pretty accurate. Um, so I'm I'm very blessed and fortunate. I've got I got four kids right now, all beautiful, healthy, healthy kids. Uh, I got a six year old, a five year old, a three year old, and a one year old. Um, but after we had our second child, we we uh, my wife and I, you know, we we had two miscarriages, and you know it's been weird because before that I had you know I had felt a calling to go stand at the abortion clinic at, in my local area. And I, and I was like, I just kept putting it off. I was like, yeah, it's just, I'm going to be that crazy guy. I'm not doing that, you know? And then we had, we had two miscarriages and then the New York ruling happened where they were saying you could kill a baby all the way up until birth. And yes. so I couldn't tell you anymore. Uh, God was just not letting me sleep. I was laying in my bed at the whole nine yards. And I was like, man, I've got to go. So I, didn't even know where the abortion clinic was. Didn't know anything about it. I found I found out we had one in the, in my state, and it was about an hour away. Made signs, went up there, and started standing. So the first day I stood there, you know, nothing just stood outside there, and then started being harassed. Uh, they called cops, lied on me, you know, all these things. And they the cops checked the video surveillance and saw that they were lying on Facebook, mainly for my own protection. I never really uh, imagined that people would would start watching that and, and, and everything so that's that was one of the things that uh kind of got my name out there it wasn't the intentions of it at the time but it really grew man uh, there were there were days there'd be 40 to 50 uh pro-life people standing outside there sometimes there'd be you know seven you know um but we uh we cut their abortions in, in half just by being there um because they, they had two days they did abortions and so on those two, two specific days everybody showed up there was was coming for an abortion um, so we, it was easy to keep track of the numbers, and we, we easily cut that in half. Um, these people threw food on me, threw drinks on me, spit on me, ran over. I had a big giant cross that a, a fellow uh, that followed us had, had made, and we set those up outside there. People threw it in the street. And then um, there was a day they called the cops for no reason. The cops were there, and one of the escorts, Mind you, when I first started going, there were no escorts. There was none of these people were there. So, like, these people started showing up because I was there and because my the people, other people were showing up. And this lady comes out and spits on me. And I have it on video. And she spits on me. And then the following day uh, goes to her local magistrate or whatever it's called, I don't know, and uh, files a restraining order on me. And uh, not to mention these people had – old shirts with my name my picture on it and hashtag abortion daddy all this okay. stuff you know they're, they're harassing me they're making sure they knew my address or, or making sure i knew that they knew my address all, all these things i never 
done any of that. It was all on video, and that was that was the beauty of it. Is is I I filmed all of this. People saw it firsthand, and we get up there, and um, the judge, uh, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, they said that I threatened them with a weapon, and their their uh, excuse for that was I went to the abortion clinic uh, and, and stood outside, you know, offering women other options uh, on a Thursday. I believe it was. And then Friday, I was in Indianapolis for the NRA convention. And they had this big gun every single year. I don't even know what it's called. It's like a big, huge machine gun at the NRA convention. I take a picture with it every single year. So the following day, I took a picture of that and posted it on my, on my page. And they said that that was me making threats <laughs> to the abortion clinic. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, 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 uh, Go ahead. No, it, it's funny that, that to hear you describe that because we were when we just sat down in the studio. I was watching this. The I didn't realize there was a video portion on Inside Edition, and I noticed that you had said to the woman, "Oh, I noticed you're wearing my shirt." And I and now I see because obviously the the Inside Edition is completely left leaning, and how they skewed it. So that's they never mentioned that it these all makes people. Sense yeah, now. they never mentioned that these people had your face on their shirt. So. Yeah, the uh, which I mean. Oh yeah, they had a bowling team raising money. Uh, uh, had bowling a bowling league raising money with my picture on there. Hashtag abortion daddy. Like, like who's harassing who here? You know, and yeah. I never did anything. I was like, it's fine. You know, I'm just gonna take the high road. And then they uh, they did that. And and like I said, the, the comical part was a, I, I live in West Virginia. This happened in West Virginia. I was in Indianapolis, like five hours away. I took a picture with a gun a big machine gun, and they, they said that was me threatening the abortion yeah. clinic. And it was just it, – it's so sad it's comical at the end of the day. Uh, but I will say this. Um, there were several several women who chose lots, um, and some of those chose to put their, their, their child up for adoption. Some of them chose to keep them. The ones who chose to keep them are grouped to uh, baby showers for them, uh, bought them all kinds of stuff. And people from all over the country who started following my page at the time uh, were, were buying things on the, on the registry. For the women who wanted to go for adoption, uh, I found local families who were wanting to adopt and uh, facilitated the entire thing. I found uh, local pro-life lawyers who handled all the paperwork 100% for free and did it all, all the, the adoption paperwork, you know, pro bono. And uh, there's a couple of them that I still get pictures from and even see in person from time to time. And so all of this has been worth it just to see uh, those little miracles of, of loss uh, walking around in, in my, my state. Dude, yep. amen to that. God bless yeah. you. That is amazing work, Absolutely. dude. That is that is awesome. And one of the things too, when when you're listening to Inside Edition, when you know it's it's hard to take anything at face value when when you're looking and talking about people that would have uh, one woman would have three abortions. You know, the rare you know rare exceptions, rape and incest, and you're over here using it as a form of birth control. People that that will practice that type of behavior, in my my by my estimation and my opinion, are completely unreliable juxtaposed with someone that just wants to give a chance at life and do the type of work that you're doing, man, that that's absolutely phenomenal. And I think that what, especially in, in light of the, the January 6th ordeal, man, it's an absolute travesty. What your, your family is having to go through, um, man, I, I just, I hope that, uh, it's quick and painless for you, but, um, what do you, do you think that you'll ever take up that type of work? Like what you just described in the future? I mean, if that's something that God puts on my heart and calls me to do that, I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best. I'm human, but I'll try my best to listen to that. Um, the good news is, is West Virginia is a very, very pro-life state. Um, I 
through my page, through uh, not just myself, but the other people in our group who were, you know, standing outside the abortion clinic, we raised a ton of awareness as to what was really going on up there. Uh, we actually passed a constitutional amendment in West Virginia that our state constitution says you do not have a right to an abortion. Um, the abortion clinic has been shut down uh, with the, uh, the Roe versus Wade being overturned. We already had an old law in the books here um, in our state, and uh, that's, that's being honored. And, um, you know, so, so we have a, a very uh, pro-life, Christian-oriented uh, state and community. And so, um, you know, I, honestly, I hope not. I hope I don't ever have to do that again. I hope that, you know, babies can just live, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but if that's something that God calls me to do and keeps me up at night and says to go do it, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do it. Man, I'm I'm so happy about that. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, because yeah. in, in light of everything that we've covered re- recently, man, and all the demonic things that you see that that from from the people that promote that ideology, man, is I'm 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 so happy for the for that work alone right there, man. God bless you. That is, oh man, I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. And how old did you say your oldest child is? My oldest is six. Okay, that's what I thought you said. So, because yep. I, I was just kind of wondering how they were taking all this, but I mean, they can't comprehend six years old. I, they can't. I have, I have. So the other night, um, yeah, yeah. The, that's been the hardest thing, man, is trying to figure out how to tell them and explain that. We hadn't really told them a whole lot um, until we knew when I was going to be going. And so uh, I believe it was yesterday. Is it last night or not before? I, I don't know. I think it was last night. Um, we set the older two down and, um, you know, kind of told them that I was, I was going to be gone for a little bit and just told them I was going to work. Um, and, uh, that's, that's the most difficult part in all of this. You know, I'm, I'm, um, uh, my mom got pregnant with me when she was a senior in high school. And so my dad, he's a good guy, you know, they were never together. And, um, and so my entire life, I've always said, um, you know, I was going to be there for my kids, you know, that, you know, that was, that was like always really important to me. And um, my wife's a nurse. She works seven days on, seven days off. And so on her seven days on, I'm, I'm a single dad for all intents and purposes. You know, I'm the one who takes them to school, picks them up, cooks, cleans, uh, takes them to soccer, whatever it is they're, they're doing, um, baths, you know, all those things. And um, and then the days that when she's off, I'm able to stick my work schedule where I'm home, you know, and we still have, you know, normal family time. And uh, that's, that's the hardest part right now is uh, going to be getting ripped away from them uh, for three months. In a lot of ways, it's going to be a lot harder for my wife than it is me because she's going to be the one left home dealing with their emotions and broken hearts. And um, I'm not going to be the one seeing that every day. Um, are, what are you going to be able to do as far as keeping people updated on your situation while you're in there? I know I read a little bit that you would, you would possibly have someone to kind of convey in, in your social media to, to keep people updated on, on your status while you're doing going through this yeah so from what i understand um obviously i have some phone calls and but while i understand i'm also going to, be able to do some uh, some emails and um through those emails that i'm going to have my brother um he's you know, given him access to my true social account and he will post um you know updates letters from me or whatever um on there uh on during to be all things that I write myself, but he's going to post it for me. And then if for some reason I don't have emails, it'll, um, it'll just have to write, I'll just have to write it the old fashioned way and send it in for him to, to post it for me. Um, but we're, I'm definitely going to keep, uh, in touch with everybody, letting everybody know how things are going, keeping people updated, um, and just reminding people that, um, they're not going to break me. They're not going to silence me. I mean, that's, at the end of the day, I'm the only person 
who was uh, peaceful, nonviolent, non-destructive, walked through doors, remained in public areas, and walked out on my own, who got hit with a felony. And um, they did that trying to silence me, trying to, you know, quote-unquote, hurt my political career, which I don't really care about that, to be honest with you. I can care less. Um, and, and, but what this is, what, I'm, what I do take personal and take very serious is that if I crawl in a hole and uh, become silent and let them win, then it will um, send a message that they can do that, do this to anybody they want. And I've taken one on the chin. I am, you know, uh, a little beat up right now, but I'm going to spend that three months reading my Bible, studying the Constitution. I'm going to come out and I'm going to be ready to rock and roll and to get back into the political arena and be loud and make our voices heard. Awesome. Yeah, so. good for you. Um, do, do you have anybody that, because I know you're going to be trying to financially rebuild after the, this uh, ordeal, do you have a place online that people can find you where people can donate? Yeah, so on my true social at the bottom there, there's a, um, a link to my website, DerekEvans.net, D-E-R-R-I-C-K, and then Evans is E-V-A-N-S, uh, .net. Um, and it's also on my true social there. And then there's a donate page on there. Um, you know, I'm very, very blessed and fortunate once again. Uh, I got into real estate about six years ago. I was a teacher before that. And then um, I've, I've been doing real estate full time for the last, I don't know, four or five years. It has been very uh, financially draining. I mean, it's, we, we've, we were staring bankruptcy right in the face, you know, through all of this. Uh, people got to remember I was one of the very first people arrested. And so it was an 18-month-long legal battle against, uh, you know, uh, prosecutors who have endless amount of pockets so they steal our money and then use it against you. Um, we've refinanced our personal house. We uh, refinanced a couple of the rental homes we sold. I've sold homes that I didn't have any intentions of selling. You know, when you, when you speak to a lawyer, uh, especially in these types of cases, most of the time you're looking at a $50,000 retainer up front just to get started. And um, what's crazy is you you have a right to an attorney. If you can't afford one, want to be appointed to you. But what I didn't know, and I think most Americans would be shocked to find out, is the government decides whether you can uh, afford one or not. You, you don't make that decision. Wow. And so if you make more than 25% of the poverty rate, which in my area, if my wife and I was four kids, if we made it combined over $40,000 a year, which we do, then we were ineligible for a, a public defender. So uh, just out of luck. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, w one thing I'd like to, to ask is, uh, is there any possibility after, uh, after your time is served that we could have you back on, especially like – Seeing what you're, I'm anxious to see what you do politically. But man, I'd love to have you back on after this ordeal is over with, for sure. Absolutely, more than willing to come back on. Let you guys and your listeners, you know, uh, know that I survived prison, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, give everybody an update on, on where we're going from there. Awesome. Um, yeah. I don't think I really ask is is everybody to keep praying for myself, pray for my family. Um pray for the other January 6th defendants. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for your sacrifices that you've made and that you continue to, to make. And we'll definitely remember you and your family in our prayers, especially your, your wife and your, and your children as they uh, um, uh, need the understanding as, as to why their father's not around. Yeah, that's the, that's the hardest part, man, in all, in all of this. I know people 
have asked me to do it. I mean, are you afraid you won't get stabbed? I'm like, well, I mean, kind of, but I mean, that's not really the big concern right now. I guess that'll 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 probably become my main concern once the uh, iron gate closed. You know, behind me, I've told my wife, you know, look, um, when when that happens, I just you don't say anything personal, but I, I can't um, I can't have any emotional conversations with you. You know what I mean? That's uh, that sucks, but I'm gonna have to be cold to everything. Um, I can't become a target in there. I guess that's kind of one of my concerns. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, right. that's tough, man. I wish I had something inspirational to say, but uh, <laughs> I'm coming up short at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Um, <laughs> it's all good, man. That's uh, that's tough, man. I, uh, that's tough. But um, cool. I hope to touch base with you on the other end of this ordeal, and we'll absolutely keep you in our prayers, and and we'll implore our listeners to do the same thing. And uh, unless you got anything else, man, we'll uh, we'll let you get back to it. No, man, just uh, if you guys want to keep up with uh, any of your listeners, want to follow Letters from a Political Prisoner, uh, just follow me there on Truth Social, and um, I look forward to coming back on you guys' show um, in a little over three months. Awesome. Thank you so Absolutely. much, Derek. Yeah, look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I right. appreciate it. All right, take All care. Right. Thank Thanks. you. All right, All right. Bye. bye. Cool. So thank you to Derek for that. Uh, that, uh, that went well, at least I thought. Yeah, that was <clears> awesome. <throat> And so one of the, the articles that I referenced, and he said he had seen it as well in the Gateway Pundit. So for those that don't know, um, highly sensitive DOJ January 6th documents leaked to the Gateway Pundit. FBI confidential human source infiltrated Proud Boys, ran FBI operation on January 6th, reported they were innocent. See text and documents in full, and you can find this on Gateway Pundit. A whistleblower has leaked a treasure trove of documents and text messages, some marked highly sensitive to the Gateway Pundit. These documents contain incredible exculpatory evidence proving the Department of Justice was aware that a group of indicted Proud Boys were innocent, yet they are prosecuting them anyway. You can find the entire dump of documents below, which includes hundreds of pages of transcripts and an audio recorded interviews with an assisting United States attorney, FBI agents, and their confidential human source. The confidential human source, or CHS, infiltrated the Kansas City Proud Boy group for over a year and a half before the January 6th event and kept the FBI goons informed of the group's activities. Our source, who is familiar with the FBI informant, has identified him as James Aaron Knowles. According to the source, Knowles had gained the group's total trust and was included in all group communications. Man, he's got a looks a little bit like the Ray Epps guy. In yeah, fact. that's what I he's was thinking. A, he's a rather uh, robust individual. Yeah. The informant told his handlers at the FBI that the Kansas City Proud Boy group he was infiltrating and accompanied to, accompanied to the Capitol on January 6th were not involved in, nor did they inspire the breaking of the barriers at the Capitol building. CHS described the scene as the crowd doing it as a herd mentality and that it was not organized. The crowd was shouting, stop the vote, as they made their way to the Capitol building. There were no overt threats of violence made at the time. Not only that, but the informant also testifies to the FBI that Proud Boys planned to come to Washington, D.C. to risk their own safety to protect average Trump supporters from Antifa attacks so MAGA folk could enjoy the day and get back to their hotel safely. Meanwhile, the drinking fraternity, along with the ex-military law enforcement group, the Oath Keepers, have become the fall guys, along with President Trump, for the entire phony insurrection. Now, this is their uh, gateway pundits piece here. Every single Kansas City Proud Boy and other individuals that the rat reported to his handlers in the document dump are indicted and facing decades in prison, even though the FBI informant that was with them that day reported they're innocent. One of the men, William Trestman, has been detained at D.C. Gitmo in pretrial detention for over a year and a half to date. A total of six people, including a woman who was pregnant at the time, are being charged with conspiracy, 
obstruction of an official proceeding and aiding and abetting. This carries a maximum 20-year penalty. Obstruction of law enforcement during civil disorder and aiding and abetting. Threatening a federal officer entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds and carrying a deadly or dangerous weapon. I'd like to know what that supposedly was. For, bra- for background, there are currently two existing Proud Boy group indictments. The seditious conspiracy, one involving Enrique Tario and other leaders in the Kansas City Proud Boy indictment involving the group that the FBI informant infiltrated. The FBI plant made it clear to his bosses that the Proud Boy and their friends had no idea what they were walking into. There was no conspiracy or pre-planning to enter the Capitol, and Proud Boys helped law enforcement inside the Capitol. He reported that the members of the groups never mentioned stopping the Electoral College or certification of the election as the FBI clearly was hoping he would report. The agents press him throughout his interviews See full dump of audio and read recording transcripts below, and you can find them on Gateway Pundit. <clears throat> and obviously did not like what they were hearing as it did not fit their narrative. These documents would be buried forever and never see the light of day if it were not leaked to us by a brave whistleblower. And a link to this will be on the notes in the show. Excellent. So you can see this on the actual description in the show notes. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to cover that just because of having Derek Evans on. And then... And so the next one is we have a truth on Truth Social, not Twitter, because Twitter was down for the day or something I read. Either way, <clears throat> a truth from True the Vote, and True the Vote is the organization behind the evidence contained within 2,000 mules that, in my opinion, proves election fraud, and this is their truth. In April, we learned we were being targeted by the federal government. We were warned to stop our work. This clip, the comments about cell phone data and stopping those involved, that was meant for us for what we've already revealed, and for what's coming next. Please save and share, memorialize their threat. Everything we've said is true, they know, and they know we have more. This is not about Republicans and Democrats. It's much bigger. Keep the faith. You are the solution. And so this is actually from the same press conference uh, as, uh, end of quote, repeat the line. So, and what he's, when he's talking about the uh, the data that's for sale, these data brokers, that's how the the cell phone ping data was purchased for, for a specific geographical area, if I understand it correctly. And so this is this is what he's saying about an executive order. And and I guess there's a little bit he tries to tie in a little bit about a, abortion with it, but go ahead and play that reversal. See contraception. And equally important, this executive order protects patient privacy and access to information, which, looking at the press assembled before me, probably know more about it than I do. I'm not a tech That's a guy. That's learning. But right now, when you use a search engine or the app on your phone, companies collect your data. They sell it to other companies, or they even share it with law enforcement. There's an increasing concern that extremist governors and others We'll try to get that data off of your phone, which is out there in the ether, to find what you're seeking, where you're going, and what you're doing with regard to your health care. Talk about no privacy. No privacy in the Constitution. There's no privacy, period. This executive order asked the FTC to crack down on data brokers that sell private information to extreme groups, or in my view, sell private information to anybody. It provides private health information. It protects private health. So when they're talking about it not being 
able to be available to anybody in quote-unquote extremist groups, and that's what True the Vote is saying here is they feel that that was a direct shot at them, and I would tend to agree. This was never a concern prior to 2,000 mules. I, and not only that, there's no way, like, oh, even the government. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you guys have never benefited from that when you when you nab people that were at the Capitol on January yeah. 6th. Like, dude, it's, it's, it's absolutely disgusting. And so just moving on right to the to the to the next article also on gateway pundit wisconsin speaker robin voss who up, up to this point has not been cooperative on the election fraud front donald trump's called him out a lot of people have an election do-over is necessary if overwhelming fraud is proven in court jefferson davis with the wisconsin election integrity committee wrote the gateway pundit today about an explosive development in the state of wisconsin recently we talked about this last week I think we touched on it. I can't remember which from week to week. I don't have the best memory. Sue me. Recent, recently, the Wisconsin Supreme Court on Friday, July 8, 2022, permanently outlawed ballot drop boxes in the state of Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled that absentee drop boxes are illegal in the state. The court ruled 4-3 to three that the drop boxes can only be placed inside election offices. Of course, this is horrible news for Democrats who rely on drop boxes to cheat in the elections with thousands of fraudulent votes. The recent documentary, 2,000 Mules, revealed how Democrats used the ballot drop boxes in several states in an organized national ballot trafficking voter scam. The movie revealed that hundreds of thousands of votes were stolen in 2020 using the ballot drop boxes, including thousands in the state of Wisconsin. Earlier this week, leading Republicans in Wisconsin held a press conference where they insisted that if the drop boxes aren't legal under election law, then the ballots that were collected in the drop boxes in the 2020 election were also not legitimate. And that's kind of what I touched on last week. The number of ballots deposited in the drop boxes in Wisconsin outnumbered the slim margin of victory given to Joe Biden in 2020. Now it appears Speaker Voss is agreeing with grassroots activists. If there is provable and overwhelming 2020 election fraud declared in court of, a court of law, then there needs to be a do-over of that election. Here is Speaker Voss agreeing to do it to a do-over of an election outcome if that election was affected by voter fraud, a do-over is a remedy. This is big news coming from Robin Voss, considering he has pushed back against any attempts to investigate the obviously questionable results coming from the Wisconsin 2020 election. His primary race must be closer than he expected. And that's the bad thing about it. Okay, he, he's coming up for re-election, and so he's trying to placate people by, by saying this, but it would be a requirement of the people of, of the state of Wisconsin to hold him to it. Yeah. Which, if, if that did happen, that would be unprecedented. Now, I'm not saying that I believe that is going to happen because I don't, just because I know the way rat bastards like this work. Pardon my French. ...into office. You cannot go back and redo the election. You, you just can't. Some unless people are unhappy with they, that. Oh, I, I have, trust me, I know. Uh, but I would say if there is an overwhelming um, amount of fraud that is proven in a court of law, not just suspicion, not just something that we think happened, but that we are able to prove... Um, that's the only time that you can go back and do something like that. Um, in my so take that for what it's worth. Not very much. Well, no, I mean the in in his mind and in, in in what legal terms does overwhelming what what's the threshold for overwhelming evidence? Because in my personal opinion, I think that we've already seen overwhelming as evidence and. <laughs> And Depends on the day and the situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that. Oh, by, and by the way, if you had noticed, we're trying to to keep the, our interview uh, 
and and regular content all kind of comprising the same show where they're usually separate. So we're zipping through with a shorter regular show this evening so they can all be packaged together. I'm going to go ahead and label this the adults are back in charge slash the Bidens are racist. I don't know. Are you guys good with that? Yeah. All right. Well, cool, man. End the quote. Repeat the line. This was hilarious. And this also goes into what I've always said about Jill Biden. And look at this haggard woman. This night, does she look tired? And we also discussed last week what Hunter Biden's opinion of Jill Biden is. Quite favorable. Well, you know, I said last week that I agreed with him, and I still do, and this just reinforced the belief that I agree with him that she is the what he referred to her as. So The teacher, the wonderful teacher? Yes. And so go ahead and just play. And a lot of people have probably heard this by now, still find it amusing. And she's being called racist. Can you believe it? Have you seen this? No. Okay. But we can't get those things on our own. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio, (laughs) is your strength. Yeah, so the diversity, again, we we do hear that the diversity is, is your strength. And so let me just read a little bit to give people some context of who she was talking to. So here we go. First Lady Jill Biden's staff issued an apology Tuesday on behalf of the First Lady after she compared Latinos to breakfast tacos. By the way, I'm not familiar with a breakfast taco. I know what a breakfast burrito is. Is breakfast taco, has anybody ever seen one of those? No, I haven't. Is that a real thing? Yeah, it's a real thing. So maybe that's why they're that unique. Yeah. In San Antonio. Yeah. Okay, well, that's fine. We can... We can. So this is Michael LaRaza. LaRaza? Her, her, her press secretary. LaRose. I'm sorry. I said LaRaza. That's that. That's the extremist group, right? La, yeah. la, la, la that's the family, right? Yeah. LaRaza. Uh, viva LaRaza. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Long live the family. Is it? Wait, yeah. hey, listen. Viva I'm Spanish. La raza. The race. The race. The race. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's okay. Michael LaRosa. The first lady apologize, apologizes that her words conveyed anything but pure admiration and love for the Latino community. The first lady made her remarks off a prepared text during a speech at the Latinx Inclusion Luncheon, because that's with an X, luncheon in the Texas City Monday. She said, Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as... So there is spelled properly bodegas, and she referred, she called it a bogada because she's a great teacher. Yeah. Of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio is your strength. The first lady's remarks shocked many in the Latino community who viewed her remarks as out of touch and even racist. Joe Biden, who works as a professor, and she's a hell of a doctor too, by the way, just ask Whoopi Goldberg. Jill Biden, who works as a professor in a college English department, also mispronounced the word bodega, further demonstrating her ignorance of Latino culture. And so one of the things that, that you know, this obviously proves is what I always say about this woman, and not only the her, but her staff, is this really low and cheap attempt to appeal and seem relatable and what you end up patronizing these people. Like, you are so fake. Like, and it, it just proves... That you don't believe diversity is a strength. 
can you play that clip where she mispronounces si se puede? Yeah, can you play that one? I want to hear that. But you got to say it with her because she's going to ask you to say it with her. Well, I have no idea how she's going to well, say it. Well, it doesn't matter. She's going to tell you to say it with her. So do it, please. The future is ours. Well, I, play it again. Do that again. And, and she's saying this to a crowd of like five, by the way. Yeah, I see that. So say it with me. Si se puede. The oh future my. is ours. Thank you. So say. You didn't say it with her. <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen, dude, she's a hell of a doctor and an English professor, not a Spanish professor. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> Reverso, what do you got? What do you think about it? She's genuine, right? Um, she's deep. She's she's sure thoughtful. Is. She's introspective. You know, it was, it, it, she's contemplative. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking, man, she's just exposed how fake she no, is. No, she's genuine. Could you imagine if, like, uh, Ivanka Trump said something like that, how crazy it would be over the... Oh, yeah, the double standard is for, for what the, the media will accept as far as terms of absolute sheer stupidity ignorance or complete and total lack of intelligence and we'll have more because everybody's favorite 81 million vote recipient vice president will be on later and it's 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 a pretty good one she always delivers she delivers at least once a week <laughs> she i mean she she brings the stupid i'm a fan i mean might as well be good content yeah absolutely moving on and the biden's are racist what do we have next and you guys are going to have to let me ramble and kind of go around Grandma's house like always on this one. I just like to talk about the good old days for a little bit. Do so, you have anything on the good old days? I do. I mean, the good old days. I tell my kids about the good old days. Tell me about them. Man, the good old days back when you didn't have to worry about all the traffic. Mm -hmm. Back when you didn't have to worry about digital currency. Mm -hmm. The distractions on the telephone. Mm -hmm. And then certain kinds of people. What kind of people? I don't like know. Those let's, people? I don't know. Let's <laughs> let the president. The oh. fake, the, no, what do you call it? The resident. Let's let the, the resident. resident tell us about it. Nobody is going to believe this. Well, no, we're just going to use these videos. So Biden is talking about, go back up for a minute, uh, James Eastland, who, so basically the gist of what he's going to say in these three videos is, in the good old days, People that disagreed politically within the Congress could get along. And, again, this, this proves how shallow and how patronizing the, the entirety of their rhetoric is. And so where, where it is that, that Donald Trump and the ultra-MAGA, the white supremacy, you, you know, um, we were told uh, last week when we were watching the, the woman that's going to run against Tim Scott in South Carolina talking about Project Veritas, it's a white supremacy group. So the threat, the, the bar and the standards for what equates to white supremacy today is pretty much just being a conservative of any sort. That's white supremacy. Okay, so keep that in mind, and let's have a few different takes of Joe Biden talking. And we, we've talked about Strom Thurmond before, another segregationist. And so refresh people's or listeners' memory, uh, uh, maybe if they didn't uh, listen uh, uh, before. Uh, uh, Strom Thurmond is well. You can take what I say about James Eastland and what we've talked about Robert Byrd in the past, and you can pretty much put them in the same ball of wax. As Hillary Clinton would say, you can put them in the same basket, and this would be a basket of racists. Okay, because they're segregationists, 
And so these people fought against civil rights, and which. Uh, and Strom Thurmond was a buddy of uh, of. No, the absolutely. He read the okay. eulogy at his funeral, and if yeah. I'm not mistaken, okay. he he did the eulogy at Robert Byrd's funeral, I believe. Um, I know that Bill Clinton spoke at Robert Byrd's funeral and said that he had a quote unquote fleeting relationship with the KKK, and we've talked about it in the past. And for the people that that uh, may be listening that haven't heard this story before, you know, if you if you try to, uh, you know, if you were to look up Robert Byrd. Because a lot of the, what they've done, there was information disseminated across the internet that he was a, a grand grand dragon, grand wizard. I can never remember the vernacular for the KKK because I don't know anything about them, don't care. And so that's labeled as misinformation. And it is. Because Robert Byrd was actually the exalted Cyclops in the KKK. So on a technicality, they'll tell you that that's fake news. And technically it is. You know, he's, he's not a, a grand wizard. He's... An exalted cyclops, which I would contend sounds a little scarier than the Grand Dragon. Yes, it does. You can ask, you know, a five or six-year-old child that. Yeah. Hey, I'm a Grand Dragon. I'm an exalted cyclops. Ah! <laughs> exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, let's go ahead and hear what he has to say about uh, James Eastland. We used to have debates with me and, uh, for example, Jim Eastland with whom I agreed on virtually nothing, except we were both senators. But we'd debate like hell on the floor of the Senate and go and have lunch together. And John McCain became one of my closest friends. False. Even though go John- Go ahead and pause that. All right. And, so, and it's crazy, too, because Kamala Harris is standing there while he's talking about this guy who was a vehemently racist segregationist, and she even confronted him on some of these issues during the debates, and, like, she hammered him, and it was all true. And, like- Dude, I don't like Kamala Harris one stinking bit, dude. And I don't. I really, obviously, don't like Cory Booker at all. But when they're talking about, and I think Cory Booker even made a statement about what he just said within the re- last few days. And I have to, and this is never probably ever going to happen again in the history of ever. But I agree with what Cory Booker was saying. Like, dude, you're the president of the United States, and you're sitting here bragging about like. Again, I'm going to ramble, but when you when, when uh, Joe Biden was c- confronted during the campaign about the way he was uh, touching women because a, a former staffer had came forward and said that she felt harassed by him, so he did this fake diatribe about how, you know, times have changed and personal space. You know, I've, I've always been this way because I have compassion for people, which is absolutely false. You, you behave that way because you're a predator, and you're saying these things because you're actually a racist. And, and, and you don't realize, just like you didn't realize you couldn't be invading personal people's space, that you, with, with the, the political dynamic that they've created surrounding all of these issues, you are stuck in a time machine. And you shouldn't be saying things like this. This is, and make no mistake, these were bad people. The, the segregationists were bad people, and they were Democrats, and they're still bad people. And you never moved on from that. One of the things that he's saying is that because he, he, oh, I disagree with them. You didn't disagree with them on segregation because you fought against busing, just like Kamala Harris said during the debates. And just like he said, he didn't want his children growing up in an interracial jungle. Look it up. Yeah, so he don't even realize what he's saying is bad because he's a racist, just like he didn't even realize when he was making these moves on these mm-hmm. women that it was bad because he's just right. a, a sexual predator. Right. And, and so by today's, I mean, by any standard, it's, it's racist. But by today's standard, when simply being conservative or a Trump voter makes you racist. Or a Christian. Right. What on earth does this make you? So let's, let's get into it on the next one. So this is him, uh, I think, in May. You know, things have kind of changed since the days when I first got there. 
He's been there a couple terms. I was there. I got elected when I was 29 years old in the United States Senate from a very modest background, and I was there for 36 years before becoming vice president. We always used to fight like hell. And uh, even back in the old days when we had real segregationists like Eastland and Thurman and all those guys, but at least we end up eating lunch together. Things have changed. We've got to bring it back. And Rob, I'm sorry you're leaving because you're one of the good guys. I don't mean, I mean because the way you treat other senators, the way you treat everybody. I appreciate it. And so what does that tell you when he says real segregationists? We had real segregationists back then. That Sounds mean, like a Freudian slip. Well, it means that right now your op- opposition isn't what you're selling it as. And so there, there, is not, there is not polite and reasonable discourse. There's animosity and vitriol because of the situation, again, that the entirety of the left has created when you label people Nazis and racists and white supremacists over a political difference that really isn't that... You know, and, and you could run from transgender or whatever. So that if you disagree with CRT and transgenderism, because those are both packaged together, by the way, if you disagree with that, you're a white supremacist. Hang on, repeat that. If you disagree with what, because they're packaged what, together? The critical race theory S- and yes, transgenderism. Yes. Okay. Just Let's just take those two items. And when everybody with a brain knows that's not real. Yeah, so, I was still thinking about... Well, what he had just said, and uh, I didn't. But what, what, yeah. one of the things that he said was, is that you know, the, with the real segregationists, that yeah. denotes to me that you realize that what's you, going on right now is not as is, severe as it was back then, correct. because those people weren't. So you've sold, like always, a bill of false goods. You correct. know these people aren't racist, you dumbass. You yeah. know this, you disingenuous backstab and two-faced rat sack yeah. of garbage. Even though he has a full case of dementia, he still knows that. But and and that's the thing, though. Dude, if, if you say, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a Nazi or I'm a Klan member, I'm not going to have lunch with you. You suck. You're a terrible person. You're a horrible human being, and like, that's, that's an awful thing. I'm not going to have lunch with you. You suck. In fact, I'd like to slap you. Not him. But I'm the, I'm the racist one here? Is that what you're trying to tell me? So, does, it, does this hold water, Reverso? No. So let's hear what he has to say. About as good as a Titanic. Just one more time. Just one more time. You know, I, there's an old joke. I was, a long time ago, a particular senator said to me, this is back when I was much younger, I was in my second term, going running for my second term. He said, Joe, I'll come, to camp, I'll come to Delaware for you and campaign for you or against you, whichever will help the most. My offer still holds. I hope my endorsement didn't hurt you. And, uh, but all kidding aside... Yeah, so the segregationist was going to campaign for you or against you. And so the duplicity that we saw in that video with the girl from South Carolina last week, like, hey, we can put up whatever facade up here, even back then. Oh, well, hey, you, I can pretend we're not friends or we can pretend we are friends or whatever, but obviously you guys are having lunch together. You're in cohorts. And so you're having lunch with a vehement segregationist racist. And so let's just take a little bit of look at some of the history of James Eastland and some of the things that he was involved in and some of the things that he said. And it's important to remember when he's talking about fighting like hell, he's talking about fighting with, oh, people like Eastland and Thurman. Eastland is a Democrat. Joe Biden has always been a Democrat. They are the party of Jim Crow. They are the party of racism. They are the party of slavery. They are the party that, that, that were segregationists. They oppose civil rights. So when Joe Biden's telling these fictitious stories about, you know, and then admitting to lying and then lying again about, 
doing these sit-ins and these theaters and, and uh, being involved in the civil rights movement, which uh, to reiterate one more time, he said he was in, got caught lying, admitted he lied, and now continues to lie about it again. So when he's saying that, he was having lunch with these people. Does that make any sense? It doesn't. Wow. And so uh, political positions of Eastland. So his opposition to civil rights. Eastland is known for having opposed integration and the civil rights movement. During World War II, Eastland vocally opposed and degraded the service of African-American soldiers in the war. He incited protests and some comparisons to Hitlerism following a vitriolic speech on the floor of the Senate in July of 1945 in which he complained that the Negro soldier was physically, morally, and mentally incapable of serving in combat. In contrast, Eastland claimed that the boys from the South were fighting to maintain white, maintain white supremacy. Earlier in 1944, Eastland claimed that the Negro race was an inferior race. I have no prejudice in my heart, but the white race is the superior race and the Negro race an inferior race, and the races must be kept separate by law. The same year, he protested against Smith versus Allwright, which banned white primaries. The decision reveals an alarming tendency to destroy the sovereignty of the states. Our Supreme Court is usurping the legislative function, and Congress, Congress may yet prove the last citadel of constitutional government. When the Supreme Court issued its decision in the landmark Brown versus Board of Education ruling that segregation in public schools was unconstitutional, Eastland, like the majority of Democrats, denounced it in a speech given in Senatobia, Mississippi, on August 12, 1955, he announced... On May 17, 1954, the Constitution of the United States was destroyed because of the Supreme Court's decision. Sound familiar, by the way? Keep that in mind. Keep that because they're saying that right now about the Supreme Court. Okay, when you're talking about yeah, the rights about of un versus, about yeah. un the, yeah. the rights of unborn human beings. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> the decision reveals an alarming tendency to destroy the sovereignty of states. Our Supreme Court is usurping the legislative function. And Congress may yet prove the last citadel of the constitutional government. But to reiterate, on May 17th, 1954, the Constitution of the United States was destroyed because of the Supreme Court's decision. You are not obliged to obey the decisions of any court which are plainly fraudulent sociological considerations. Eastland would become actively involved in the White Citizens Council, an organization which boasted 60,000 members across the South, the South and was called the New Klan that enforces thought control by economic pressures. Wow, the New Klan that enforces thought control by economic pressures. Eastland testified to the Senate 10 days after the Brown decision. The Southern, the Southern Institution of Racial Segregation or Racial Separation was the correct, self-evident truth which arose from the chaos and confusion of the Reconstruction period. Separation promotes racial harmony. It permits each race to follow its own pursuits and its own civilization. Segregation is not discrimination, Mr. President. It is the law of nature. It is the law of God that every race has both the right and the duty to perpetuate itself. All free men have the right to associate exclusively with members of their own race, free from government interference, if they so desire. In the 60s, Eastland belonged to... Again, keep in mind what I said about the Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision. In the, the 60s, Eastland belonged to the Genetics Committee of the Pioneer Fund. Click on the Pioneer Fund. Let's see what that might be. Pioneer Fund is an American nonprofit foundation established in 1937, quote, to advance the study, I'm sorry, to advance the scientific study of heredity and human differences. The organization has been described as racist and white supremacist in nature. One of its first projects was to fund the distribution of U.S. churches and schools of 
Erbkrank, a Nazi propaganda film about eugenics. Hmm, interesting. And so what do we know about Margaret Sanger, the, the founder of Planned Parenthood? They had had meetings with the Ku Klux Klan, had worked with the Nazis, was a eugenics professor, and had talked about exterminating blacks. Does it all make sense now? You know what I'm saying? Like, you people never changed. We, we talked about the, the statistics on black abortions in the state of New York. And so for, to, to listen to this stupid rat sack of garbage call conservative Christians that want babies to live racist because you want black babies to live, it's the height of hypocrisy and duplicity. And you, you guys can't sell this false bill of goods anymore. And because, dude, a lot of people don't know these things, man. And like I've always said, I don't hear a lot of, uh, I don't hear anybody that, that does what we do talking about the nuances of all these things and how hypocritical you actually are. No. Everything about the Democrat Party is unadulterated, absolute horse crap. None of this is real. I've never heard it dissected and, like this. Right. And just like Jill Biden, with that little fake diatribe, did, did nothing about that was genuine, heartfelt, or anything. It was, again, patronizing. It's sick. You believe nothing that's coming out of your mouth. You married the guy that had lunch with these people and talks glowingly about them and read the eulogies at their funerals. Because wow. you're everything that Cory Booker, again, what Kamala Harris said to him in the, in the primaries is true in the debates. What Cory Booker has said to him is absolutely true. Why this guy is sitting here, I have no idea why these two people are in that office. Like, why the Democrats, even if you're going to steal an election, why they selected these two morons. It's still, I mean, I have no idea. You know, I've got an opinion on everything, but I have no it idea. It has to be because they know that they can control them 100%. It, it, as far as the uh, the low amount of intellectual capacity on either of them, yeah. I'd say absolutely. Yeah, not the gaffes, but uh, right. control, sure, manipulate absolutely. them. Well, and not not to mention, I didn't have this in the notes, and I should because like for time constraints. But you know that 4chan, which is that hacker group slash website, apparently they have hacked Hunter Biden's iCloud. Yeah, and so you can get in trouble for watching these, this, that, and the other. Which, um, you know, I haven't uh, <clears throat> watched them, but. When they when you talk about being compromised, how if this stuff is out there, how can this this idiot not be compromised by China? Because everybody knows that he is. But Hunter Biden has a disturbing penchant for removing his clothes, and so again, I've heard there's video of him weighing it's like twenty point seven grams of crack cocaine with a prostitute in the room, by the way, and. You know, the, he, the, Joe Biden was instrumental, and you can watch congressional testimony from him talking about the power of crack cocaine and how just this little tiny amount of crack cocaine should equate to federal prison time. So when they did that, that uh, dr the drug laws of the early 90s, he was instrumental in all that. And I want to say he spearheaded the majority of that. And so people were getting locked up. I know some that got locked up on these very, what today would be minute drug charges. People were going to prison for stuff like that, and he suggested it. He, he's in congressional testimony passionately vying for it. And here's your son recording himself. And like I said last week, this dude must hate you. Yeah. Why are you recording this, man? Like, so he's, again, the, the, the guy has a sick penchant for, for removing his clothes. Then one of the contacts, and I think it's come to, to light, that there was a contact in his phone or in his iCloud for Pedo Pete. And apparently it was his, people were suspecting that that was the contact for Joe Biden, 
but the way I understand it, it was one of the it was it would have been the granddaughter's contact info for Hunter, I think. And then there's supposedly photographs of Hunter Biden. Supposedly, haven't seen them with underage girls all over him, laying by a pool. So he's supposedly laid back with like uh, maybe like a towel over his eyes or something like that. And there's like four or five underage females. I don't know. But to say that these people are compromised, it would be an understatement, a, a massive, massive understatement. And so how do they keep doing what they're doing? How, do, how does it? Well, I mean, because of the complicit media. I, so I had somebody ask me this week, like, what difference does any of this make? Number one, she asked, how, how, well, how do you know if any of this is real? Well, you know, the New York Times verified the contents of that laptop. And keep in mind, when during the, the, the debates with Trump preceding the 2020 election, Oh, 50, 50 uh, former national intelligence people said that that was Russian disinformation. And remember, these were the people that were wanting to have this disinformation board under the, you know, under the umbrella of the Homeland Security. Remember the, the Jankowicz or whatever, the lady that was singing the kooky songs? They were wanting to be able to determine and quantify what equated to disinformation and misinformation when they, so, okay. The people in your intelligence are saying that this is fake. Well, it's been corroborated by even all the most hardcore of leftist networks and news outlets. The New York Times has admitted that that was absolutely Hunter Biden's laptop as if anybody didn't know. So, of course, I'm explaining this to this person. Oh, well, what difference? They're not going to do anything, so what difference does it make? Well, number one, with that type of mentality, of course nothing's going to happen because you want to know how they get away with it? Because there's a large swath of our population that thinks just like you. Oh, they're going to get away with it. They're not going to get away. They're not going to get away with it if the majority demands that something happens. And so, which Joe Biden's poll numbers are caving in like a sinkhole. Just like Derek Evans started outside of those abortion clinics. He said he started with himself mm-hmm. and other people started coming with him. And they started changing the numbers. Yeah. That's that's how it starts. Right. It starts and, with and, one. And primarily people need to educate themselves on what actually is happening. But man, there's a willful ignorance in this country and there has been for a yeah. long time. And the submission to convenience for a yeah, long time. Yeah, almost like it's it's cool to be dumb and not Absolutely. know what's going on. Oh dude, one of my coworkers, you know, big dumb Yank was just saying today, in fact, that he doesn't listen to anything political and, and because it's only people's opinion of what other people's opinions are. And so that ignorance is bliss. Perhaps it is. <laughs> so are we ready to move on to our next segment? Yeah. So as promised, uh, I guess maybe we'll put this as the adults are back in charge. So this is Kamala Harris of the whole much more babbling. What would you call this? Gobbledygook? That's what we used to call it as kids. Yeah. Reverso, you got to have a name for what she does. Call it incoherent nonsense. Okay, well, that's fine. Let's see what she had to say. Backgrounds. Together, we are expanding access to transportation. Seems like maybe it's a small issue, it's a big issue. You need to get to go and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. So we have expanded access to transportation. Need to go, what, you need to go to where to get to go, what? Play that again. Together, we are expanding access to transportation. Seems like maybe it's a small issue, it's a big issue. 
You need to get to go and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the me gotta go pull the p-roll down the bio that's an interesting take <laughs> it made a they made the same amount of sense yeah actually hank senior made way more sense and you don't even know what he was saying yeah moving on it is time uh-oh for everybody's favorite segment uh-oh that dessert no no it ain't that Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our signature segment this week in Idiot Cross-Dressing, Confused, Moron, Herbert, Democrat, Nutjob Wackos. Wake up, Reverso. It's time. It's time! Y'all ready for this? Who? Come on. Man. Are we talking about the, are we talking about who? We are talking about who, the World Health Organization. That's it. Who? And they are one of the most trustworthy organizations who proved that they're completely unbiased, competent, and not beholden to China during the COVID pandi- pandemic. None of that's true. <laughs> because I guarantee you had me for a minute. <laughs> because I'm telling you, there's no way they're pushing this horse crap in China. And we are on the endtimeheadlines.org. World Health Organization says gender is not limited to male or female, regardless of what you believe. Hmm. The World Health Organization will update its gender guidance to reflect its belief that gender goes beyond non-binary, the organization has announced. The World Health Organization has an existing gender mainstreaming manual, which argues that there are many genders existing on a spectrum from male to female. The organization now says that doesn't go far enough. The updated guidance will focus on highlighting and expanding on the concept of intersectionality, which looks at how gender power dynamics interact with other hierarchies of privilege or disadvantage, resulting in inequality and Differential health outcomes for different people. The WHO website reads at the time of reporting. Let me let me uh, pause for a second. And read that again to myself. Like that's that's a lot of uh, talk about gobbledygook. Goodness, how gender power dynamics interact with other hierarchies of privilege or disadvantage, resulting in inequality and differential health out. Dude, what? <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. They're, I, they're just trying to confuse everybody. I, I, I'll take your word for it. But the update will also emphasize going beyond non-binary approaches to gender and health to recognize gender and sexual diversity or the concepts that gender identity exists on a continuum and that sex is not limited to male or female. <laughs> it's hard to maintain my sarcasm. Wow. Sex is not limited to male or female. False. Yes, it is. The WHO has faced criticism in the U.S. and other Western countries for its handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. The organization consistently repeated false data coming out of China and otherwise carried water for the communist regime in the early days of the outbreak. The U.S. withdrew its membership from the WHO under former President Donald Trump, but fake President Joe Biden rejoined soon after gaining office. Republicans in Congress have sought to curtail any authority the WHO has. Rep. Mike Rogers from Alabama also introduced legislation calling the U.S. to leave both the World Health Organization and the United Nations permanently in June. 
Rogers argued that the UN has repeatedly proven itself to be utterly an utterly useless organization. Going to have to agree with both of those. But yeah, so if anybody can break that down, I really can't. Because I have no idea what they just said. Other than it's the same old regurgitated garbage we've been listening to for how many years now? Yeah, but that's exactly what they want. They don't want you to understand it. But it seems to me like it's permeate. This is the same. But you can understand it because it don't make sense. Well, it's not scientific and it's not real. No, but no this you can't the, understand the, it. The, the unfortunate thing is, like, the discussions we ha- we've had with uh, Undercover Mothers is, so the same nonsensical garbage, it, it's everywhere you look. Anything that's... Con- and this is how you know this is controlled by leftists. <laughs> Dude, not, so what, if, let's say there's another pandemic, which Bill Gates is talking about the... I was reading today the most likely next pandemic to occur because they're already planning to, to curtail people's rights again. Yeah, they say that's why he's buying up all the land uh, that he's buying up because the market fluctuations, <laughs> stock market, and everything like that. No, that I'm, I'm sure there's nothing nefarious going on with that. Yeah, yeah, because the land you have actual tangible assets that can be farmed and, and everything like that mm-hmm. and that's why he's putting all his money in the land yeah and the crops and things and that's how he was able to purchase that land and because he's actually leasing it back to the farmers and all of the communities and stuff in in that last area that was mm-hmm that was trying to oppose him. I think it was Idaho, that. if I'm not mistaken. It was Idaho, I think. And so um, they were, uh, it, well, it passed. He was able to purchase it Yeah. because he's leasing it back to the farmers. Yeah, I mean, but it, uh, the overall long-term goal of whatever it is he's doing, I'm sure there's nothing. No, you know, there's, there's not. Nothing. I mean, he's I mean, trying I mean, to help overall humanity, mankind. How good of a guy he is that, that his wife left him because of his connections with Jeffrey Epstein that he didn't want to talk about and said that, you know, people have... Gotten killed, or what? What was it that he said with that? Uh, you know, people have died over this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Epstein himself is dead. So, yeah, pretty good clue. Yeah, and Bill Gates knows that uh, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. So anyway, that is uh, that's the World Health Organization for you. And now, and this is a sub segment of. This week, an idiot cross-dressing, confused, moron, pervert, Democrat, nutjob, wackos. That is an offshoot of what I always say, and that is, if you are a registered Democrat, I don't care who, where, what, X, Y, and Z, carry your behind to wherever. I guess you go to the police station to register for a sex offender, I guess. Uh, Go there and go ahead and sign yourself up. And if they say you can't, just admit that you've molested somebody. Because you probably have. So is that okay? I mean, it's it's just the way I see it. I might I might be able to have my opinion. <laughs> so anyway, we're on the national polls, and this is the headline quote. You know what? I'm not going to say that. I'm going to let him say it for you. I don't want to say that on a recording. This guy admits to being a pedophile. Biden era USPS chief in mail-in ballot unit arrested after trying to meet teen boy for sex. <laughs> Ooh, that's got to hurt. A high-level U.S. Postal Service official appointed under President Joe Biden was caught during a, a child sex sting admitting that he is a pedophile on camera. Russell Rappel Schmid, the chief data officer for the U.S. Postal Regulatory Commission, PRC, was caught in San Diego, California, attempting to meet a 14-year-old boy for sex. The PRC is responsible for overseeing the U.S. Postal Service, which deals with mail-in ballots during the election season. 
and Rappelschmid was tasked with running the commission's data management and compliance with the Open Government Data Act. While federal authorities have not yet confirmed the man in the video is Rappelschmid, the San Diego Sh County Sheriff's Department announced that Rappelschmid was released from the city's central jail early Tuesday morning after being arrested on Monday. His fel felony arraignment is set for next Monday. Rappelschmid was reportedly in San Diego for a business conference when he allegedly tried to meet what he thought was a 14-year-old boy for sex. And this is what I really like. The People vs. Predators group filmed the encounter, and Rappelschmid can be seen admitting that he is a pedophile. And so, uh, go back up for a second, Reverso. So, the People vs. Preds is just one of these other vigilante groups, um, and they're all over the country. And so... Uh, the, the guy that I always talk about, the, the black dude, uh, Skeeter, Skeeter Jean is his YouTube name. And so I've gotten a ton of emails about people that they're like, oh, man, Skeeter Jean's awesome. And he is. Um, he's probably, I'm not, I'm not going to say that he's the best one. He's my favorite. Uh, he's got good audio quality. He's got like a, a awesome, like dry sense of humor, man. It's, it's, it's brutal, dude. Um, and so one of those types of groups, though, and I could watch those videos for days. Like they never get old. Um, but that's how they pop this guy. And this is obviously a big fish, but, uh, I don't know if, I think there's one small excerpt. Yeah, there it is right there. So this is them in the, in the hotel room. And so this is their, uh, is this a tweet? I believe this is a tweet. Looks like it. Okay. Cause it says follow right there. Yeah. And so this is, uh, this is on, I guess this is posted by an open secret or. Or is this Windward's Neighborhood Civics Club tweet? I'm, I'm not familiar with Twitter and the format, so this is what the, the dialogue is. This is Russell Rappelschmidt, data chief for the Postal Regulatory Commission. He openly admits to being a minor attracted person on Twitter shortly before being busted. We need to clean this pedo network that has infiltrated D.C. <laughs> Going to have to agree with that as well. Let's hear what he has to say. Again, he's appointed by Biden, so you tell me. Like some... People. Someone that likes young, young. Exactly. And what am I sitting here for? Because I was talking to someone who was young. Right. So what are you? I'm a pedophile. Oof. Wow. Hmm. That's going to leave a mark. In response to the video and criminal charges, the PRC terminated Rappel Schmid from his position. Quote, the Postal Regulatory Commission has become aware of the recent arrest of one of our employees. And upon becoming aware of this information, the commission has terminated this employee effective immediately. The commission is shocked and horrified at these serious allegations and maintains a steadfast commitment to promptly deal with any claims of employment misconduct. Rappel Schmid's profile has been removed from the agency's website. He joined the oversight body under President Joe Biden in May and previously served as the state of Alaska's first chief data officer. Rappel Schmidt also worked as the UPS, USPS Office of Inspector General on the data analytics team and as an audit manager. Hmm. Sucks to be him. But see, here's the thing. Do you got any input on any of this? That, I, I'm that's, a, that's astonishing. Is, well, it, is it, though? No. Nah. You know... No, hang on. It's not astonishing that that guy appointed by the resident has done that. What's astonishing is they're sitting in the hotel room and he just him. admitted that. That's oh, yeah. astonishing. Well, dude, good and, work on them. Oh, amen, dude. And the thing about that is that's man, what I'm astonished the, the, by. Oh, the and if you haven't watched those those types of videos, dude, I mean it. Uh, 
there's nothing that compares as far like these people are busted dead to rights, man. Like, um, I have a family member in law enforcement, and he was showing me a video of an arrest of, uh, of of a guy in their area for internet sex crimes. And dude, I mean, so you're watching the the responding officers' uh, body cam footage, and like this guy, they they catch him in his driveway working on one of his vehicles, and uh, dude, he's caught so flat footed, and so what it, what it was. <clears throat> he had been using an alias online and so he's they're starting to ask him these questions and and so while he's sitting in the vehicle you know they ask him they're asking him these questions do you know anything about this oh no i don't know anything about anything and they they ask about his do you know and then they refer to the alias and dude this guy like it's like you can see in his mind dude he's done and you see this same phenomenon on these videos with the, these vigilantes with regularity. The, so these people, they don't know, like they know they're caught. And so these people will do whatever they think that they think that they have to do to keep the people that caught them from notifying the authorities. But dude, they're, they're like a rat in a trap and they just don't know what way to go. They just know they're caught. They'll do and say whatever dude. And so I, I want to say this and I'll finish with this. Um, I want to say first, because I haven't done this this episode, because I'm not the most comprehensive person after a full day of work, and I definitely have worked way harder this week than Reverso has. I'm way more tired than him. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing? Nothing. Okay, that's fine. So anyway, (laughs) you can find us on the web at bcblpodcast.com. That's true. The vote. (laughs) You can email us at info at bcblpodcast.com, and you can find us on True Social at Blue Collar Blacklisted Podcast. Um, if you're a new listener and you've made it this far, thank you very much for listening. Please leave us a rating. Uh, a review would be cool, too. Ten-star review, not five. Ten-star. Only goes up to five. I yeah, think but I'm you can do it twice, just like the hey. Democrats vote. <laughs> awesome. Um, you can also call us on the same phone number that Derek did, 561-363-6060. 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. That's correct. Whatever next Friday is. This coming, well, when you're listening to this, it'll be Monday. So this Friday, we yeah. can say that every week. I don't have to know the date. This Friday, you can call us while we're recording. If you have an issue or a topic you'd like to discuss, 561-363-6060, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time, and leave us a rating. Ten stars. And Remember, what I wanted to say, though, real quick as we finish, uh, is that if this guy would have heeded my advice, because he was appointed by a Democrat, it would stand to reason that he's a registered Democrat. In fact, I guarantee you he is. If he would have went down and registered as a sex offender, like I always advise these people, he might not be in this situation. Boom roasted. That's too true for radio. No, you can't sing about it. They'll show you the door. Cause Nashville ain't got any balls anymore. They cast you aside, hope you'll tuck tail and leave. But you ain't ever met an old boy quite like me. Well, I'd rather be real than put on a fake show, but that's too true for radio.